Good morning. So you've already signed up because you're sitting there, so now you're going to participate. <laughs> so we get in the Word. Uh, before I have you stand, we'll read uh, a few verses. Um, I want to thank you. First of all, we want to thank you for your prayers because we went back to Fort Meade, Baltimore. My son is in, our son is in the Navy, Titus. And then from there, we flew back here last Friday, and then Saturday morning, we drove down to, to Sweet Home, Oregon, about five hours. And we, not planned, but my son, Terrence, who lives in Portland, somehow we got connected. We haven't been connected with him in a long time, so we picked him up and took him down there. And the Lord's just working in our son's lives, and so we're very thankful for that. We pray for him a lot on Saturday mornings, but we, we had, a, we had some, just some good times, uh, so thank you for that. Um, today, I don't know, Paul and Trudy are not here, but if you didn't know, today is their 40th wedding anniversary. So that's 40 years of being married. And then their son, uh, Jared, got married, he and his wife, on the same day. So they're 13 years today, but you may not know Jared. They live in, in you know, that other side of the world, Spokane or something like that. So, and then I'll pray this uh, when, after we read, but uh, Pastor John Adelot, who's City Calvary up north, uh, and we've known him a long time, him and Melissa, his wife, and he's been in ministry a long time. And so yesterday... Something happened. We're not sure what, but he had violent seizures, and he's never had any of that. So they took him to the hospital. He, it's something neuro, neurologically for him. Uh, so if you would just remember John uh, in your prayers, that the Lord will just, you know, kind of show him what, what's happening and heal him up, because he is a dear brother in the Lord, faithful brother. So with that, would you stand? We're gonna, I'm going to read just from chapters Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to go back this morning. I want to do 13 chapters of Jesus. Um, and it's kind of leading up to uh, chapters 12 and 13 in a series we're going to do through January to kick off our new year. And we're going to call that Looking Unto Jesus. So this morning, I want to do a little recap with a fun twist to it uh, as we go through. I just want to go through the book and kind of reminder of the different things that each chapter uh, tells us about Jesus. So in chapter 1, right in the beginning, verse 1, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. The whole series is Jesus is better. So Lord, we thank you that you've given to us your word. You have spoken to us through the prophets, through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, but you've also very clearly sent Jesus to speak to us about your heart. And we thank you, Lord, for loving us dying for us, doing what you do for us as our great high priest. We're thankful that the gospel is the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes in you, Jesus. So we're praying if anyone's listening, anyone's here that does not know you through Jesus Christ, you would bless them, Lord, by drawing them to yourself. They would find in you their need for you. And Lord, we know there's a battle that goes on every time we, we gather, every time we get in your word. So we, we ask, Lord, right now, settle us 
Give us just ears to hear. Bless the things I prepared. Break them fresh. Lord, we are hungry for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So the first chapter, in the first chapter of Hebrews, Jesus is the Son of God. We're going to give you 13 of them as we go through these chapters. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the, to the, by the fathers of these last days spoken to us by his Son. And so as you look at chapter 1, God speaks in a variety of ways. He spoke to Moses in the burning bush. He spoke to David and Nathan. He spoke to Balaam by a donkey. He spoke to Elijah in a still small voice, to Isaiah through a vision in the temple, to Hosea, listen, in his family. He spoke to Amos through a basket of fruit. God wants to speak to us. He spoke through dreams, visions, angels, the Urim and Thummim, through symbols, natural events, pillars of fire, smoke, and many other means. He spoke. He spoke in Ur of the Chaldees, in Haran, in Canaan, in Egypt, in Babylon, in Jerusalem, you name it. He spoke. He's given to us his word, which is the living, Jesus is the living word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. But he spoke to us, and we've said this so many times. We love the word of God. In fact, uh, I was thinking about this this morning. You know, when, when you come to a service or, I, or we go to a service, if we've had a lot of the Word of God, when you go and don't get it, you leave feeling a little bit hungry. Because we are hungry for the Word of God. I am convinced that when people get born again by the Spirit of God, that they're hungry for the milk of the Word. But if they never get it, they never develop an appetite, they never know what they're missing. So God has spoken to us through His Son, through many different ways now, but now through Jesus. And the supreme, Jesus has the supreme place in all of the universe. It's, this, this book speaks of his exaltation to the highest place in heaven, doing the work for us here on earth. So it says there, through whom he made the worlds. Now the worlds are the ages. So it's the universe as the sum of the periods of time, including all that is manifest in them. So it's, it's a sum. He, Jesus said, whom, through he made the worlds, he made the ages. Jesus is better. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He's the radiance. He's the reflection. He's the outshining. The Shekinah glory of the Old Testament. Jesus radiates the light of God's glory, his perfection, and his majesty. In John 1, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Amazing. It's not so much the glory of the Son's deity shining through his humanity but the glory of God being manifested in the perfection of his manhood, completely attuned as it was to the will of God, unquote. So we read in Hebrews, I have come to do your will, O God, a body you prepared for me. Jesus came as the outshining, the reflection of God's glory, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Means sustaining, carrying it along, is Jesus. He's not like Atlas, holding up the world as if it were a dead weight. Quote, Expositor's Bible Commentary. 
The author pictures the son as in the first instance active in creation. He's the creator. And then as continuing his interest in the world he loves and bearing it onward towards the fulfillment of the divine plan, unquote. Jesus is carrying this whole thing along. He's sustaining it. He's carrying it along. He's bearing it toward a goal. All things, the totality of the ages, the totality of history, nothing is excluded from the scope of the Son's sustaining activity. And one of the things that stood out this time in Hebrews and should stand out is we're pretty good at thinking back to the cross and applying the blood to our sin. But the truth is right now, Jesus is sustaining all things. He's our high priest. And we're learning through Hebrews how important it is that we understand that he's alive and active in our lives, working through his priesthood to bring us to glory. And so, and yet by himself purged our sins. He's the sin bearer, the suffering servant, the substitute sacrifice, the lamb of God, our Passover lamb. And by the cross, through the cross, he purged us from our sins. Now, this is God. This is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God who came to do these things. He removed our sin. He cleansed us from our sin. He is the Savior of our souls. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. There is none to compare. He has spoken through the prophets and by his son Jesus, and God still speaks through the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God, and its living fulfillment through the word of God. God's son, his indescribable gift is Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, is the heir of all things. And dear believer, that includes you. Jesus, Son of God, made all things. And that, that includes you. He is the very nature of God who came to shine into your life, in my life, truth. He's the Son of God carrying everything forward to its end, and that includes our lives. He's the Son of God. He purged our sins. That includes your sins, all of them. He is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, listen, to take care of everything that you need. What you need to live this life, by knowing God. And in living this life, in knowing God, it's anticipating his promised and glorious kingdom, the world to come, a kingdom that will never end. In fact, Isaiah 9, 6 talks about Jesus being born. He came and his kingdom will never end. So the first chapter of Hebrews, Jesus is the son of God. Chapter 2, Jesus is my captain. Is he yours? For he has not put the world to come of which we speak and in, in subjection to angels. The consummate state of all things which will exist after Christ's return from heaven. That's what he's talking about. He's not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you're mindful of? You ever find yourself so small you say that? 
Who am I that you would even think of me? Who am I that you would care about? We need that perspective. Because that's a question. What's man that you're mindful? Or the son of man that you would visit him? Take care of him. You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under, but we do not yet see all things put under him. In other words, we do not see what God intended for man when he created him. Originally, to have, have dominion over creation. To be in that place of perfect fellowship and harmony with God that he intended for us. We do not see this, this crowning glory because of sin. We see man corrupted in pain and suffering, shipwrecked by sin and sorrow. We see the battered lives from despair and fear. We see people drowning in disappointments and failures. We see people sinking under the difficulties and hardships. And it's not just one storm. It's storm after storm after storm. Why? Sin came into the world. That glory that God created, that God intended, he saw it was good. Everything it was all good. Something happened. It's called sin. But notice this small but big word. We do not yet see. What? It's not what we, it's who are we looking for? Who are we looking to? But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels. What for? For the suffering of death. What? Crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it is fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons, what? To glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brother. Jesus became a man, and now he's that man in glory. He calls us brethren. What he did for us, we do not yet see these things. The word captain has the idea of a personal participation in originating something. He's the captain of our salvation, the pioneer the leader, the originator, the founder of our salvation. Jesus crucified, crowned, and captain. And the disciples were so distraught when he was crucified on that cross and thinking it's over. Far from over, it was finished as he died on that cross. So the man Jesus, by his death on the cross, captained the way back to glory for each and every one of us. To glory for each and every one of us. He's our captain. So who? It's for all who are on board. For all who are following the captain. He's at the helm of salvation. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. He guides us back to his desired haven to be with you and I for all eternity. That's our captain. He is our captain. 
guiding us back to glory and honor. Chapter 3, Jesus is my high priest. Is he yours? Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. He is our high priest. High priest is mentioned in 10 of the 13 chapters in Hebrews. It's a main theme. It's a central part of the message of, if not the main theme. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 8, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest. That's the main point in Hebrews. Jesus is my high priest. He is the son of God. He became my great, merciful, and faithful high priest, the one of my confession. High priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who is faithful. In Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Hold fast to that. Don't let anything rip that out of your heart. That Jesus, our great high priest, our mediator, faithful, great. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Hebrews 10.23, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. So chapter 3, in the third chapter of Hebrews, Jesus is my high priest. In the fourth chapter of Hebrews, he is my rest. Is he yours? Have you found the rest that comes through the gospel? In Hebrews chapter 4, there's this promise of entering his rest. Let every, this is verse 1, but let, let, us, let us fear lest anyone of you should come short of it. For the gospel was preached to them as well as to us. But it did not profit them, not being wished with faith by those who heard it. When we hear the gospel, that's the rest of God for us. Come unto me, all you who are labor in heaven, and I will give you what? Rest. He is my rest. And Hebrews 4 talks about the rest, the rest, the rest. Be diligent to enter that rest. Let's not even fall according to the same example of disobedience. You see, rest is found only through obedience to the gospel. Not just in being born again, but in living out our born again life. It's obedience. And Hebrews talks about that a lot. It's by which we come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time. That's the rest of God for us. Chapter 5 of Hebrews. Jesus died and lives for me. How about for you? Jesus died and lives for me. So also Christ, chapter 5, verse 5, did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also said that in another place, you are priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Then it says this, verse 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears, the cross, the garden, to him was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, and having been perfected, Jesus. He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. 
Now, in chapter 5, we find the third of five parenthetical warnings. This particular warning is don't fall away. Do not fall away. And so, of whom we have much to say, verse 11, and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So chapter 5, Jesus died and lives for me now, presently, and for all eternity. So it says there that Jesus understands obedience and suffering, and Jesus will help each and every one of us to obey God. He understands it. He gets it. He went through it. Hebrews 12 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, right hand of the throne of God, for consider him, Jesus, who endured such hardship, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. It's looking to Jesus. He died and lives for me now. He's my great high priest. He understands it. Our great, merciful, faithful, and forever high priest, the author of eternal salvation, the author and finisher of our faith, died and lives for us that we would obey him and grow up so that we do not fall away. How does that happen? It's told, we told him in chapter 6. Starting in chapter 5, but this, this parenthetical warning, which goes from chapter 5, verse 11 through 620. How do we do that? How does this work? Number one, by exercising our senses to discern both good and evil. You see, Jesus, our high priest, is helping us to obey God by the power of the Holy Spirit, by yielding ourselves to his word, exercising our sense to discern both good and evil. God wants us to grow up, to mature. By leaving the elementary things and going on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith in God. Doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. See, God's there to help us to do these things. Chapter 5 is telling us that Jesus died and lives for me now. By showing the same diligence to full assurance of hope until the end. Stay at it. By not becoming sluggish but imitating those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That's just a few of the things that we find in Hebrews. So in the fifth chapter of Hebrews, Jesus died and lives for me now. Sixth chapter, in the sixth chapter of Hebrews, Jesus is my hope. Thus God determining, verse 17, to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may lay hold of the hope set before. In other words, God not only promised it, he swore to it. Did God need to do that? No, he did it for us. That by two immutable things, our hope is anchored. We, do not, we did not get our anchor from Walmart. Our anchor is in Jesus as for us in the right into the Holy of Holies. Anchored there. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where, where the forerunners entered for us, even Jesus. Hey, he is our hope in all things. Jesus, in Jesus Christ are the supreme unquestionable, 
unlimited, undeniable, irrefutable, and incontestable and absolute promises of God in Jesus. Our hope is simply and only in the promises of God made for us, the oath God gave us through Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God reported in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for who? The ungodly. For scarcely will a righteous for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were what? Sinners, enemies, lost in sin, he died for us. He is our hope. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That is our hope. He is our hope. He's our anchor. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say to these things? I love this passage. If God be for us, who can be against us? And there are a lot of things that are against us. We're against ourselves. The world is against us. The devil is against us. But God is no match for them because he's for us. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him for us all, how shall he not, listen, with him? Freely give us all things. I'm persuading you life, nor death, nor angel, principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. In the seventh chapter of Hebrews, Jesus is forever. He's forever. This Melchizedek, chapter 7, verse 1, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, the son but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Verse 16, who has come not according to the law, but according law of fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Jesus is forever. Jesus is eternal forever. He testifies you're a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In chapter 7, verse 21, you're a priest forever, according to, so that forever, and it's mentioned several times, you are a priest forever. The endless life. The priest remains continually. Chapter 7, verse 23. And there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. So they had high priests, but they died. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save to the uttermost. Some would translate that save to the guttermost. Those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's appointed the son who has been perfected forever. In chapter 1, we read, to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. In other words, Jesus has always been. He is God. I believe that Melchizedek is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It is in his incarnation, in becoming a man, that Jesus is identified as the Son of God. By an angel? 
Gabriel, Christmas time, by the devil, by his friends, and by his enemies, and by himself also. He is the Son of God. He is eternal. He is forever. It is in his incarnation that Jesus put to death on the cross, suffered death, tasted death for everyone, destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and by means of death he is the mediator of the new covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. I say, that's a mouthful, but give me a heartful. Jesus is forever. He is the eternal God, become man. Become man. The Son of God remains a priest continually. So the, the idea for me is Jesus has always been running in the background. God's plans laid with Jesus running in the background, running parallel for all eternity and all of time. And now he has been revealed. He is God. He's, been, he's the priest continually. He lives, he always lives. He's always been. Now, why would God do that? It's very simple, to blow your mind. But more than that, to bow your heart, to bow your knee before him who is worthy. He is forever. In the eighth chapter of Hebrews, he is God exalted. Now, this is the main point of things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. He is God exalted. This can be said of no other high priest. No other high priest could ever say the things that we hear and read and know about Jesus. He is God exalted. He is seated at the right hand, the place of highest honor, the majesty in the heavens, the very dwelling place of God, the throne. He is seated. We read that several times in Hebrews. In 1 Peter, Jesus has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of, is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. He is God exalted. The love of God goes far beyond sending Jesus that we might obtain salvation. But then he raised him from the dead. And then Jesus, Son of God, passed through the heavens as our great high priest to maintain our salvation both now and forever. To God be the glory, great things he has done. He is God exalted. In Jude, we read, now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his Glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. And everyone said, Amen. The eighth chapter of Hebrews, He is God exalted. The ninth chapter of Hebrews, He is my Redeemer. But Christ came as high priest, verse 11 of chapter 9, of the good things to come with the greater, more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. He is my redeemer. He purchased the price of our redemption, this purchase, this ransom from slavery was the life of Jesus Christ laid down, his blood shed to pay the penalty for sin. 
For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he's a mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant for those that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And again, a mouthful, give me a heart full, Lord. He is my redeemer. The price. Peter said, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver and gold from your former manner of, from your former conduct, received by tradition from your fathers, with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without spot or blemish, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in his last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him, the, gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. The promise in our redemption is eternal life, forgiveness of sin, a right relationship with God, peace with God, the Holy Spirit living in me, adoption to God's family, etc. dot, dot, dot. He is my redeemer. He paid the price. He redeemed me and ransomed me out of slavery to sin. In the 10th chapter of Hebrews, he is my assurance. In chapter 10, verse 15, the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I'll make with them after those days, says the Lord, I'll put my laws into their hearts. And in their minds, I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I'll remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. So it, it's not, it's not uh, we're, we're looking for boldness, not hoping for boldness, but we have boldness. And he says this three times. What we have in him is this assurance in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Having and having a high priest, we're not looking for a high priest, we're not hoping for a high priest, but we have a high priest over God's family. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled. We're not looking for that. It's happened. It's ours. Thus is our assurance. Our hearts sprinkled. My sin and guilt have been atoned once for all. Our bodies washed. My life has been purified and prepared for serving God in his house. We're not looking for our hearts to be sprinkled and our bodies washed. We're not hoping for our hearts sprinkled and our bodies washed, but having our hearts sprinkled and our bodies washed. We have been purified. We've been our skin atoned for. And now God prepares us and sanctifies us to serve him. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. He is my assurance. For he who promised is faithful. If there's any hindrance to my assurance, it's not from God. The 10th chapter of Hebrews, he is my assurance. In chapter 11, he's my vision. And we have that song we sing, Be Thou My Vision. We know that faith is the evidence of things not seen. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he had received, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Faith has this necessity to be looking to the unseen, to be looking to Jesus, who we now do not see. He is my vision. 
They all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Jesus is my vision. In the 12th chapter of Hebrews, Jesus is my trainer. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is yours, what? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. And then he says this, no chastening. We look at this in our studies. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, those who have been trained by it. Jesus is our trainer. Eyes on the captain. Eyes on the trainer. Eyes on the one who loves us and died for us. Which brings us to chapter 13. In the 13th chapter of Hebrews, Jesus, I love the ending, is my shepherd. My shepherd. In fact, Revelation says he's going to shepherd us and wipe away every tear. He is the good shepherd who loves his sheep, laid down his life for the sheep. So we read in Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep. He ends the book with this. That great shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. And then you look back on your life, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever with my shepherd, my great shepherd, my chief shepherd. He is, Jesus is my shepherd. And he says this, make you complete in every good work. To do his will. To work in you what is well pleased in his sight. All the things we just captured over the 12 chapters. He's wrapping it up in this whole thought to be obedient, to do the will of God, to be made perfect and complete to do the things that are pleased in sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. And everyone said, amen. amen. So those are my Jesus in 13 chapters. Now here's what I did. I asked my wife, I said, I hope this isn't too hokey. She assured me it probably is, but do it anyway. <laughs> Actually, she didn't say that. I was sitting, I didn't know where I was going, this, we were going to go a couple of weeks ago on this, and I thought, of the 12 days of Christmas. So, you know the song, who doesn't know the song? Okay, yeah, you almost raised your hand, because who does, yeah. So I took the 13 chapters of Hebrews, and I put them in a song. Now, the inspiration in part for this was Classical Conversation, which is a group that a homeschooling group, and they meet here on Wednesdays. Our grandsons are in it. And they do a lot of their educating by putting facts into songs. So they sing these songs, like the seven continents of the world. or you know. And I think my song's better. But um. <laughs> So anyway, I asked Sophia if she would be up for the band. So I came in this morning, and we sort of practiced this song. But 
you can stay seating for it, but uh, here's my, my um, attempt in the 13 chapters of my Jesus. So, um, let us get ready a minute. We ready? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume, so Charlie, can you come up and hold this? I'm going to assume by the end of this song, you're going to have it down. Are you ready? This is my, you know, this is my breaking out here. Let me go on this side. You can just sing with me. Okay, are we ready? We'll just practice the first one. You can get a little feel for it and then we'll go for it, okay? In the first chapter of Hebrews, my Bible says to me, Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, so let's try that just together. And then as you pick it up, you'll, I know you're going to be just like, you're going to go home so built up and thrilled. Okay. <laughs> In the first chapter of Hebrews, my Bible says to me, Jesus is the Son of God. In the second chapter of Hebrews, my Bible says to me, my captain and Jesus is the son of God on the third chapter of Hebrews my Bible says to me he is my high priest he is my captain and Jesus is the son of God in the fourth chapter of Hebrews my Bible says to me he is my rest my high priest he my captain and Jesus is the son of God in the fifth chapter of Hebrews my Bible says to me Jesus died for me hold on hold on we got that line wrong I got it wrong I even practiced it it goes Jesus died and lives for me try that again Jesus died and lives for me my high priest he is my captain and Jesus is the son of God in the sixth chapter of Hebrews my Bible says to me Jesus is my hope Jesus died and lives for me he is my rest my high priest he is my captain and Jesus is the son of God in the seventh chapter of Hebrews, my Bible says to me, Jesus is forever, Jesus is my hope, Jesus died and lived for me. He is my rest, my high priest, he is my captain, and Jesus is the Son of God. In the eighth chapter of Hebrews, my Bible says to me, 
God exalted. Jesus is forever. Jesus is my hope. Jesus died and lives for me. He is my rest, my high priest. He is my captain. And Jesus is the Son of God. In the ninth chapter of Hebrews, my Bible says to me, he is my redeemer. He is God exalted. Jesus is forever. Jesus is my hope. Jesus died and lives for me. He is my rest, my high priest. He is my captain. And Jesus is the son of God. In the 10th chapter of Hebrews, my Bible says to me, he is my assurance. He is my redeemer. He is God exalted. Jesus is forever. Jesus is my hope. Jesus died and lives for me. He is my rest, my high priest. He is my captain. And Jesus is the son of God. In the 11th chapter of Hebrews, my Bible says to me, Jesus is my vision. He is my assurance. He is my redeemer. He is God exalted. He is forever. Jesus is my hope. Jesus died and lives for me. He is my rest, my high priest. He is my captain. And Jesus is the son of God. In the 12th chapter of Hebrews, my Bible says to me, Jesus is my trainer. Jesus is my vision. He is my assurance. He is my redeemer. He is God exalted. He is forever. Jesus is my hope. Jesus died and lives for me. He is my rest, my high priest. He is my captain. And Jesus is the son of God. In the 13th chapter of Hebrews, my Bible says to me, Jesus is my shepherd. Jesus is my trainer. Jesus is my vision. He is my assurance. He is my redeemer. He is God exalted. Jesus is forever. Jesus is my hope. Jesus died and lives for me. He is my rest, my high priest. He is my captain. And Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus is the Son of God. One more time, and Jesus. And Jesus is the Son of God. One more time, stand up. And Jesus is the Son of God. it is. <laughs> is that good? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hold on, YouTube. <laughs> well, I asked uh, Sophia if she would, because she, they had a song on this, and we're going to replace it, but I thought we need to sing this, this one. Um, now I forget what it was, but it's a good song. <laughs> It's all about Jesus, right? Give me, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Let's sing this as our prayer. You know, there's a lot of things going on right now, but we just need more Jesus. Amen? <laughs> 